Well, this morning is doing battle, doing battle against Satan. And um, the scripture I'm using is 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 35. And I, I choose this, and we'll get into the uh, armor of God in Ephesians 6 in just a moment. But 1 Chronicles chapter 16, verse 35, Cry out, save us, God our Savior, gather us and deliver us from the nations, that we may give thanks to your name, your holy name, and glory in your praise. So the, the challenge is, I think we, we still, we cannot forget Israel. We cannot forget what's going on in the Middle East. And so it is always important for us to pray and to remember, um, you know, the, the people pray for the peace in Israel and we pray for uh, the Palestinians and their, their plight. But, you know, I, I, you know, I understand the, you know, the rockets and the destruction that's going on in Palestine. But also, if the 6,000 or more rockets that were shot into Israel, if they had not been stopped, you can just imagine the damage that would have been done in Israel. So, but fortunately, they have the ability to stop the rockets. You know, it's, and this is, this is a Dave McGee commentary, so <laughs> um, why on earth would you start a battle that you know you can't win, and your only goal is to make it expand to other people and make it worse, so that in hopes that... <laughs> The world will turn against Israel. But we know that in First Chronicles, the prophet is saying uh, that the people are to cry out to God to save us, to save us, gather us and deliver us from the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name, to glory in your praise. So the, the Chronicles is telling, uh, or uh, chronicling, the um, message of God that the people of God are supposed to be, or what they are saying. So doing battle against Satan requires more than a resolution and more than a dose of willpower. It is spiritual warfare. It involves spiritual weapons. And as we'll find out in a moment, we'll look at the armor of God. The strength you need to be successful to do such battles is supplied by God. See, whenever we think of our walk with God, it isn't, it isn't us making God happy. <laughs> No, God supplies us with what we need so that we can do the work, live the life that God has called us to live. And it's important that we live knowing that God is, he shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. So we find that the strength to engage and be victorious over Satan, over evil, over temptation is that which is given to us by God. Now, whenever we talk about evil, or Satan, or whatever is wrong in our society, uh, we generally tend to swing to two extremes. One extreme is some people overestimate the devil, you know. Some people overestimate him, you know, if some of the television or the movies and all that, they, they just, uh, they play around with evil and, and they end up getting caught, but we won't go there. Some people overestimate the, the evil, and what I mean by that is they're always afraid the devil's everywhere, you know. He's hiding behind a bush, and you walk by the bush, he jumps on you. Uh, it's, it's not that kind of thing. We must remember the one who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. He that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. So there doesn't need to be this fear of evil. No matter what happens, nothing can separate you from the love of God. 
Nothing can separate you from God's love. So no matter what evil is around us, we are safe in God's hands. Nothing can separate us from him. The other estim- uh, is the underestimating of evil. It's like it's nothing. Um, it's just, um, it's just a, a phase. Some people just imagine that there is evil in the world. Well, that's not true either. Satan is a defeated foe, but his, his decision is to take on God. You know, we, we wonder, well, why is there war in the Middle East? Basically, it's, it's trying to the um, <laughs> Allah, the, the Muslim, the extreme Muslims, okay, that's who we're talking about, are trying to wipe out the, the Jews. And it's a religious war, basically, that they are trying to prove that the God of Israel is a lesser God. And it's almost like um, in Egypt when Pharaoh is talking to Moses, let my people go, and Pharaoh's like scratching his head saying, we're the conquerors, you're the slaves, and you're telling me to let you go? You see, Moses is saying our God is greater. And Pharaoh is saying, I don't think so. But you see, but our God is greater. God of Jehovah, God, creator of the heavens and earth, he is greater than the enemy of our soul, and he is greater than any other God. So when Paul spoke about this spiritual warfare, he made a very critical point in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, um, and he reminds us that this is not about us. This is about God working in our lives. This isn't about me being strong enough to defeat Satan. No. Paul looks at it this way. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. (laughs) The Message Bible for verse 18 says, Pray at all times with every kind of spiritual prayer. (laughs) Pray at all times with every kind of spiritual prayer, keeping alert and persistent as you pray for all Christ men and women. So the challenge is for us to think of the crises that is going on in the world, the that which is going on in Israel, that which is going on in our own life, that which is going on in our own community, in our nation, that we are to think of these things as our opportunity to pray. And we are thinking of our own lives and the difficulties that we face. It is our opportunity to pray. Now, many times we have the thoughts, you know, 
there's a scripture that says, men ought always to pray and not to faint. Um, we are always to pray. It's like, man, I never get, you know, you're supposed to be on your knees 24 hours a day. No, most of us, our mind never shuts down. <laughs> They're not. <laughs> I was just waiting, you know. Some of you are still trying to process that. What's he talking about? My mind shutting down. Uh, well, our mind doesn't shut down. We play out scenarios. We work out scenarios in our head. We think about things. Well, rather than just worrying about them, that we should formulate those thoughts into prayers. Like, oh, that person doesn't like me, and I wish they would never do this. I wish they wouldn't do this. It's like, God, I think these people don't like me. <laughs> I pray for them, and I pray for me. So it's, it's the same thought pattern. It's, it's the same thoughts, but we've turned it from a worrisome and, you know, antagonistic situation into one of prayer and peace that God help me to understand or help me to deal with them. You know, God, you deal with them. I can't, I can't beat them up and knock them down. You deal with them. Help me deal with me. So, so in our humanity, we do not have power to overcome evil spirits. Evil is, whenever we talk about, you know, fallen angels are called demons. They were once angels that walked along with God in heaven, and they rebelled against God, and God kicked them out. So they are now called fallen angels and referred to as demons. So these fallen angels still have to obey the authority of Christ because they are not on their own. They, they are under authority. Even Satan himself can only go so far because he is not the supreme in power. God is. God is the creator. Satan is a created being. He was one of the most powerful angels in heaven, and he desired to be worshipped. And so he led one-third of the angels in heaven in rebellion against God. It's like, how dumb can these angels be? You know, you're created, he's the creator, and we're going to mount a rebellion against him. Uh-huh. Doesn't sound too bright. So... <laughs> These are the guys who are trying to convince you that you should give up on God and go to hell. <laughs> and, you know, so I'm not going. <laughs> I had the one lady, one boyfriend-girlfriend uh, situation, and the um, girlfriend kept trying to get the guy to come to church. Come to church, come to church, you know, meet the people, you know, give your heart to God, things like that. He kept saying, no, no, no. And finally she says, you won't come to God and to church with me. I am not going to go to hell with you. <laughs> and they broke up. You see, in our situations of life, we have to choose where we're going to go with all of this stuff, with the decisions that we make. And what we have here in this scripture is that God is preparing us and telling us how we can do battle against a spiritual enemy. And, and he, Paul puts it in a very physical realm that especially the, the, the people in the time of Ephesus that they would understand the Roman armament and we'll talk about that in a minute. So we cannot beat the devil on our own and only God is capable of putting the devil in his place and that is exactly what he is going to do. And sometimes we wonder, okay, why doesn't God just, you know, knock him off, you know? You know, Put him in hell now. <laughs> well, 
just a little explanation. This isn't part of this is this isn't part of my sermon. It's kind of a parenthesis, okay? You know, it won't take any time. Stop the clock, and I'll just <laughs> no. Um, when Adam and Eve were in the garden, God says to them, "Here's the title deed to this place. I'm giving this to you, and it's yours." And I'm, I'm empowering you to watch over it, to garden it, to grow it, and it, it's yours. But always remember, I own the place. But this is your deed. I own it, but I'm giving it to you to, to watch over it. Well, when Adam and Eve worshipped, broke God's command, and ate of the forbidden fruit, they took this deed, and whenever to whom you worship the deed transfers. They worshiped Satan by breaking God's command. So Satan has the deed. He has the deed, but it lost its power when Jesus died on the cross. Jesus went back and he stole, he took it out of the devil's hand. He doesn't have it anymore. God owns it now. And so God owns the title deed. God owns the deed to this place. He always has, but he always honors his word. And he promised Mankind, I'm going to give this to you, and you're going to watch over it while they gave it away. So what happens now is Satan's running around trying to make God pay for the decision to make, to have a creation and to take the deed back from him. So, but God has said in Revelation chapter 20, verse 1, I saw a great white throne in him who sat on it, the earth and the heavens fled from his presence, and there was no place for them. So basically here in this point, Revelation 20, this is way out here in front of us somewhere. I don't know the amount of years, <laughs> but it's out here in front of us. And he says that God, the heavens and the earth are going to disappear. Stars, everything, earth, everything is going to disappear. All the wicked dead are going to be resurrected. And Satan is going to stand before God himself at the great white throne judgment. Now, <laughs> I've heard people say, well, it's going to take a long time for God to go through all those people. <laughs> no. God communicates with each one of us. If every person who has ever lived stands before God, God can give to them his undivided attention. That's how great God is. So these people will stand before God and they will know all of the times that God has presented himself to them and they have rejected him and God will say to them, your name's not in the book of life. Depart from me. I never knew you. They go to hell for eternity. God creates a new heaven and a new earth and we live on with him. Now, this is the destiny of the devil, the fallen angels, whomever. They have power they have influence. They try to get us to do wrong things. You know, some people just don't have a conscience. Some people don't have a filter. <laughs> they can say really ignorant and stupid things and not even know they did it. And sometimes we look at ourselves. Whenever we, are, whenever we have a conscience that says, don't do that, that's not just you. I think that's the Holy Spirit helping you to make right choices. Because right choices are about knowing and, dis and dis deciding your destiny. And we are making these decisions with God's help. Now, evil wants us 
to betray what we know is good. And here we find where God is telling, um, when he's, okay, and the earth and the heavens fled from his presence and there were no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne and the books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. The dead in Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. So that's what's ahead for evil. <laughs> that's what's ahead for evil people. That's what's ahead for people who reject God and turn their back on God. But until that time happens, God limits Satan's reach and, and, and empowers us to, ach to achieve victory over Satan. Now, whenever I think of Paul writing this, uh, this letter here that to, uh, to Ephesians, Ephesus, and he's thinking there, he's, uh, he's chained to a Roman soldier, and he's saying, how can I give them a good illustration of what this is? Aha, helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, a shield of faith. That's his aha moment. That's a Dave McGee interpretation of Paul's aha moment. You can cheer if you like. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm sure that was difficult. So Paul <laughs> was about to describe six vital pieces of armor that were very much a part of the Roman soldier, but he is, de he is describing to us what is very much a part of our spiritual armament to do battle. So, let me go on here. So what are the devil's tools? What does the devil evil do for, against us? One, he is discouraging. He wants us to be discouraged. And do you know what discouragement is? It's a dislocation of courage. Discouragement. That was funny. <laughs> dislocation of courage. It's dislocated. All right, I'll go on. There is temptation, which is lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It's going to make me look good. It's going to make me feel good. It's going to make me more than what I am. That's, the, that's temptation. It was in the garden with Adam and Eve. It's in our life every day. It's in advertisements. You, they don't, whenever they put an advertisement in front of you, what are they telling you? It's going to make you look good going to make you feel good and make you more than what you are. That's the allurement. Now, there's nothing, I mean, in one sense, there's nothing wrong with it, but whenever you take it too far, <laughs> that I want power, I want, you know, I'm going to feel good no matter what it costs, I can, I can run over other people's lives. You know, it's like the lady that was arrested for, she ran over her husband in the parking lot, and she said it was an accident. And the guy says, the police officer says, maybe the first time, but the last, the last 18 times, no. <laughs> so. Uh. All right. Temptation, unforgiveness. 
These are the devil's toolbox. Unforgiveness. Do you know what they did to me? You expect me to forgive and talk to them? Yep. Jesus forgave and talks to you. And do you know what you did to him? <laughs> you see, unforgiveness is allowing pain and unresolved problems to bring resentment and bitterness into your heart and soul and mind. And whenever you have resentment and bitterness, it doesn't just stick to one person. It kind of eats away at your soul and gets contaminates other relationships. Fear. Zig Ziglar calls it false evidence appearing real. Fear, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. Now, the researchers at Cornell University have given us some fascinating insight into worry. 85% of what you worry about never happens. That's why we should make any worry or self-talk a prayer because you don't need to worry about it. What else? <laughs> we fear being accused. Did you know, <laughs> that's, I, I, I thought about that, for that scenario, being accusations. The devil himself, what he does, he stands before God, or you know, brings before God all the accusations that he can. They're not, you know, for us, it's like, you're not good enough, you'll never do this, you can't make it, you're gonna fail. And especially whenever it is doing something that we feel God would want us to do in our life. Oh, that's not going to work for you. You know, you're not good enough. You know, so the accusations are, they're about not being able to make it. And God says, see, the, being able to understand the scriptures, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I don't have to fight the devil. I just need to be in right relationship with Christ. See, this is the important thing. You know, there's three things we can listen to. We can listen to the devil, we can listen to ourselves, or we can listen to God. Now, the hard thing is, which is me, and which is evil, which is me, and which is good? God. And so the challenge for us is to tie ourselves to what the Scripture is saying, and whenever we're thinking bad or wishing something bad upon people or whatever, we need to tie that to God that says, forgive, let God handle the punishment. Let God deal with them. Let me forgive and go on and not be destroyed in my soul. So we find that there is victory in Jesus Christ. And our victory is secure through Christ's death and resurrection. Did you know, whenever Jesus was baptized, I always thought this was interesting. Jesus was baptized and as he's going out of the water, the voice speaks from heaven. God the Father says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now, in a, in a biblical sense, Jesus hasn't done anything yet. He's not raised the dead. He's not performed a miracle. He's not spoken to people. He's not preached to, the, preached to the, the lost and healed the sick and all that. He hasn't done a thing in, in that respect of his ministry. And God the Father says, I'm well pleased. And we would look at ourselves, and what would it be that God would say to, uh, to us, I am well pleased with you? Well, what would we do? Well, I haven't done much. That's not it. God isn't in the comparison Let's do this. Let's do comparisons here. Did you do this? No, no, did you, no, no. 
he's well pleased with you because you are his child. <laughs> you know, when you got your kid there, <laughs> you got your kid, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Grandkids are the uh, reward for not killing your kids when they were growing up. <laughs> okay, so, so anyhow, God has us there and he's well pleased. Why? Because we're his. You don't, we don't have to, you don't have to look at the list of things we did or didn't do. He loves you in spite of, of you. In spite of our faults and our failures, because we're in the growing process. If a child is an infant and learning to walk, they're going to fall. And sometimes as we get older, we fall. <sighs> but guess what? In our spiritual life, when we fall, God isn't there to kick us. He's always there to lift us up. So it isn't about failure. It's about relationship. It's about allowing God to speak to our hearts and lives and lift us up and keep us strong by his spirit, not by might nor by power, but by his Holy Spirit, we overcome. So when we try to live life on our own, we're constantly fighting the devil and it's really us, our temptations and our desires. God is wanting to do a work in our life, and so we allow God. We allow God to speak to our heart through the Word and the Holy Spirit. So we put, uh, we put, your, we put ourselves uh, in a place where we have to get dressed in the morning. I won't ask how many of you dressed yourself today. But... Rhonda picks out my shirts and stuff I'm supposed to wear, so if you don't like it, it's her fault. Don't complain to me, okay? It doesn't match. It just lays it out, I iron it. <laughs> it's like the one lady looks in the mirror, well, man, one lady, one man, older, 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 looks in the mirror and says, boy, I should iron this. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so first thing we're going to do is be strong and very courageous. We're going to put on the armor. You have to put it on. See, God provides it. You have to accept it. Every one of us is given a measure of faith. God has given to everyone a measure of faith, okay? Whether it's a 16-ounce bottle. <laughs> he says he's given to every one of us 16 ounces of faith. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to believe God, or are you going to say, I don't believe God? It's all faith. <laughs> I don't believe that the scriptures are correct. I don't believe that God loves me. That's your belief. Now, it takes just as much effort to say, I believe God. And what happens whenever we believe God, our faith grows. And it flourishes, and it, and it has something different about it because it has a sense that we have a purpose and God has a plan, and I'm here for the good things of God. So put on, the, put on the belt of truth. If you can't determine what's right and wrong, you got a problem. What's true and what's false? The truth of God's word is eternal. We have to learn what those truths are. The breastplate of righteousness a godly character, a right attitude, 
a right heart, a heart that is open before God. The shoes of peace. How many ladies have more than 10 pairs of shoes? Uh, I don't see any hands, so it must not be anybody here. No lion, no lion, no lion. Well, how many men have more than 10 pairs of shoes? You know, I, I just never throw them away. They're stacked there. So the shoes is the shoes of peace. And the understanding is that you're, you have your feet shod with the gospel of peace. It means that your footing is so important to you that you do not lose your peace. <laughs> no, we don't often think about that. But if something is coming to rob your peace, you're standing on shaky ground. So what it means is if your peace is going away, check your footing because God keeps you secure. You know, in, in, the, in the Roman time, it was more like, you know, today we have baseball spikes, football spikes, they're whatever, and they in the ground and so on. That's somewhat of what the Roman soldiers uh, sandals or footwear was. It was more like a spiking, spikes to be able to stand firm in a battle in the morning whenever the dew's on the ground. Shoes of peace, the shield of faith. You know, he talked about what goes on in the um, toolbox of Satan. The shield of faith is what protects you from those you're not good enough. Uh, take the shield. <laughs> you know, Arnold, speak to the hand, <laughs> speak to the face, speak to the shield, <laughs> you know. Shield's going to protect you from all those stupid things that other people or God, or not God, but the devil would tell us that you're not good enough, you're not going to make it, you have this, you have that, you don't, you know. Throw that aside. Faith intercepts those things. Helmet of salvation. Study to show yourself approved unto God. You might be a workman that's not ashamed. Your, your, your thoughts and your intents, what goes on in your head. Salvation is God's forgiveness and protection of your life, your soul, for eternity. The sword of the Spirit, which is your most important part of your life, which is knowing the Scriptures, and the Scriptures will be your offensive weapon. I, I've been thinking that I'm not good enough. God says, I am good enough. I love you. I don't think I'm going to make it. All things are possible to him who believes. See, that's... <laughs> so, a young boy once went to the zoo with his dad. And I guess I'll close with this. Uh, a young boy went to the zoo with his dad. And as they passed the lion's den, one of the lions let out a ferocious roar. I thought maybe all of you go roar. Okay. But anyhow, he let out a ferocious roar. Startled, the boy grabbed onto his father, covered his face, and began to cry. His father asked, what's wrong? The little boy replied, don't you see the lion? Yes, his father said, but I also see the cage. <laughs> Satan goes about as a roaring lion. Um, I, I rewrote that somewhere. It talks about, Satan goes about with like a roaring lion, trying to scare out. You, you, you ever watch those um, African stories and whatever, the lions, and they're, what are they doing? They're crouching. They're sneaking up on their prey. They don't go around roaring. <laughs> well, I pray everybody would run away. 
When does the lion roar? When he's hungry and hasn't caught anything. Satan runs around like a roaring lion, trying to scare us out from underneath the cover of our protection in Jesus Christ and doubt what God has done for us so that he can, he can try to snare us in our, in our disbelief. So when, when, when Satan roars, remember, when it's all over and done, he's in hell. And when it's all over and done for me, and you, we're in heaven. So between now and then, resist the devil and he will flee for you. Listen to God's spirit and his word. Establish it in your heart and life because in Christ we find forgiveness, we find peace, we find our eternal place next to God. Amen? Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for the great work that you have accomplished in our life. We thank you that you watch over and keep us every day. Lord, we give you praise for all the wonderful things you've done in our life. And Lord, if we are fighting battles in our spirit and our minds, God, we just pray for your peace. We pray for your peace to be upon us. We thank you for a divine peace that passes our understanding. Not because situations have changed, just because I'm at peace to handle the situation, I thank you. Forgive us, O Lord, of every sin. Establish our hearts and life. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.